Our scripture reading this morning is from the book of Hebrews. We continue our study. We're in Hebrews chapter 11, and we will read uh, verses 29 through 31. We will not go all the way through verse 38. Would you please stand for the reading of scripture? Hebrews 11, beginning with verse 29. By faith the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they'd been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab, the prostitute, did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. And may God add his richest blessing to the reading of this portion of his holy word. Will you pray with me, please? Again, our Father, we're thankful for your word, and we pray that by the power of your spirit, that you would come and speak to us, that we would see our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, high and lifted up, and that his sheep would hear his voice and know him and follow him in spite of the inability and sin of the preacher. In Jesus' name, amen. Be seated, please. I have cut the the text shorter than I had originally planned. I realized we tried to get all the way to verse uh, 38. Uh, We would be here too long. Uh, so we've cut it uh, short, and uh, as, as such, uh, you might uh, be ready at the last hymn. I'm going to change that to Rock of Ages, which is 499. I'll call it out. And also, I've changed the title to the message to go along with all that. And the title of this message is, What Do You Do When You Can't Do Anything? What do you do when you can't do anything? In each of these three situations in this passage, the people were in situations in which there was nothing they could do. They had to trust the Lord to do for them what they could not do for themselves. But here's the thing. The author is showing us that faith is active. Faith is not a feeling, nor is true biblical saving faith something that I only believe in my head. It's not merely mental or intellectual or emotional. True faith is an action. Martin Luther said, Faith is a living, daring confidence on God's grace, so sure and certain that a man would stake his life on it a thousand times. So here's the irony. On the one hand, faith is trusting God to do for us what we cannot do. The essence of faith is saying, I cannot do this myself. Nothing in my hands I bring. Yet, on the other hand, the very faith that says, I can't, I cannot do this, is active. How can that be? What do you do when you can't do 
anything. Let's look at this passage and find out. First in this passage, going forward, going forward. Look at verse 29. By faith the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land. But the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. Now, once again, as we've been throughout Hebrews 11, we are in familiar territory. Israel had left Egypt. The Lord was leading them to the promised land, and they came to the Red Sea. We know the story. And meanwhile, back in Egypt, Pharaoh's heart once again was hardened, and he regretted letting the Hebrews go. And so he got his army ready to pursue them. It says in Exodus uh, 14 that Pharaoh raised 600 chosen chariots plus all the other chariots of Egypt. All these hundreds, if not thousands of chariots were full of soldiers. So Israel has their back against the Red Sea and Pharaoh's army is coming. And naturally the people were afraid. They asked Moses, did you bring us out here because there weren't enough burial plots for us in Egypt? Now, turn back to Exodus 14, second book of the Bible, easy to find, Exodus 14. And look at verse 13, Exodus 14, 13. And Moses said to the people, Fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. Now stay here in Exodus 14. Let's think about this scene. Moses says there's nothing you can do. All you can do is stand still and see what God is going to do for you. The Lord will take care of this situation. But keep on reading. Verse 15, look at it. The Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. Lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it that the people of Israel may go through the sea on dry ground and I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so they shall go in after them and I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his hosts, his chariots and his horsemen and the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gotten glory over Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. Now, this is the only passage I can think of. Maybe there's another one, but I can't think of another passage in the Bible where God says to someone, why are you praying to me? Go forward. 
And you know the rest of the story. Moses lifted up his staff, and the Lord blew a wind and parted the sea, and Israel passed through on dry ground, and then Pharaoh's army pursued them, and the Lord closed the sea, and Pharaoh's army was totally annihilated. But notice, there was nothing Israel could do. They were literally between a rock and a hard place. Stand still and see the salvation of God. Only God could do that for them. The Lord himself fought for his people that day. All they could do was trust God to do for them what they could not do for themselves. And yet, trusting God is an action. They had to go forward. Going forward. Secondly, in this passage, going around, or around and around and around. Look at verse 30. We're back on Hebrews 11. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. Again, well-known story. Forty years later, Moses is dead. Joshua has led the people into the promised land. They came to the city of Jericho, and the Lord told them what to do. You know the story. March around the city once a day for six days. And then on the seventh day, march around the city seven times, and the priests will blow the trumpets, and everyone will yell. They did as the Lord said. And the Lord did as he had said. That day, the walls came down and he gave Jericho into the hands of Israel as he promised them he would do. Now, Jericho was a fortified city. It was a well-protected city, well-supplied, extremely well-defended bulwark. Israel would have been at a tremendous disadvantage if they had tried to storm the walls of Jericho. Again, they were in a position where all they could do was trust God. And he did it for them. No, they were not able to blow the trumpet so loud and yell so loudly that uh, the sound waves cause the walls to crack. The Lord did it miraculously. But trusting God to do for them what they could not do for themselves meant doing what he said. Again, faith is action. Now, today, sometimes in the spirit of the Battle of Jericho, people may organize a prayer walk in a particular area. Now, there's 
nothing wrong with walking around a place and praying. It's always good to pray. But we must remember that Jericho, the battle of Jericho is is not a formula for guaranteed success. God specifically told his people to march around Jericho and he explicitly promised to give the city into their hands. Now we're in different circumstances today. Let me give you an example. We have a couple of our fine distinguished members of this church have gone down to New Orleans. Now, if these distinguished members of Clover ARP Church and uh, some of their like-minded friends uh, were to organize a march and march around the uh, Superdome down in uh, New Orleans and blow trumpets and shout, they might get murdered. They might get arrested. But they will not guarantee that their school will win the national championship. Although, if they prayed for the Tigers to win, their prayers would be answered. I thought that was funny. (laughs) But seriously, what's the point? What do you do when you can't do anything? You feel helpless. And there's nothing you can do. When you have to put up with a person you feel like you just can't put up with anymore. When there's nothing more you can do to straighten out your child, save your marriage. Your career took a hit. You feel stuck. The point is not walk around in circles or look for the sea to part. Having trouble in your home? text doesn't tell us if you march around your house and pray every day for six days and seventh time on the seventh days, all your problems would go away. No. This is the point. In any and every situation, no matter how stuck and helpless you may be, there is always something you can do. You can do what God tells you to do. And I don't mean listen for him to tell you to march around Jericho or march into the sea. I mean pick up this book. God is speaking to you in this book in any and every circumstance. 
Some of you may be familiar, if you're interested in the history of World War II, with the real story behind the famous, there was a famous novel, and they made a movie about it, The Bridge on the River Kwai, about uh, uh, British uh, uh, POWs in uh, Japanese uh, prison camps. Uh, the famous story, the famous novel in the movie, it was... Uh, not really based in reality, but uh, the true story uh, involves a, involved a man by the name of Ernest Gordon, who after the war became the chaplain of uh, Princeton University. Uh, you might uh, read about that uh, sometime if you'd uh, be interested, but uh, Ernest Gordon uh, was a, a British uh, prisoner of war. Uh, I believe it was from Scotland. Uh, in one of the uh, Japanese prison camps, and the place was overrun with disease, uh, with dysentery. Uh, they were so uh, savagely uh, treated. Their conditions were uh, so unsanitary. Uh, men were uh, dropping like flies, dying. Uh, the prisoners had turned against each other, uh, were... Uh, stripping uh, each other of uh, their uh, possessions. And then uh, Ernest Gordon became uh, deathly ill. He was an atheist at that time uh, in his life. And two, uh, two prisoners of war who were Christian men uh, took care of him and nursed him uh, back to health. And uh, the three of those uh, men, those two men and Ernest Gordon, uh, began to read the Bible together. And Ernest Gordon converted and became a Christian. And uh, they simply began in that POW camp to read the Bible and try to treat each other like it said. And the transformations of the condition in that camp was unbelievable. The the health of the men improved. The mortality rate improved. Disease was drastically reduced simply because men in a desperate situation where there was nothing they could do simply got a hold of the Bible and tried in their circumstances to do what God said. That's the message. So we see going forward and going around, and thirdly and finally, getting out. Look at verse 31. By faith, Rahab, the prostitute, did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. Now, before the battle of Jericho, Joshua sent two spies in the city of Jericho, and they were hidden in the home of Rahab. Rahab was a Canaanite, pagan prostitute. Now, you remember when the local authorities came looking for the Israelite spies. She hid the spies, sent the authorities off on a wild goose chase, and saved the Hebrews' lives. 
And then she confessed to them that she knew their God would give them the victory, and she asked for her family to be spared. She said, The Lord your God, He is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. And then Joshua chapter 2 records, you know the story, she home was built into the wall, she let the Hebrew spies by a rope and she told them to get out of town but remember me when you come and my family. And they said to her, the Hebrews said to Rahab, when we come into the land, you shall tie this scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down, and you shall gather into your house your father, your mother, your brothers, and all your father's household, and keep them in the house, and you'll be spared. And she sent them away, and she tied the scarlet cord in the window as they told her to do. And the day that the walls of Jericho fell, Rahab obeyed. And she and her family were saved. Rahab converted from the paganism of the Canaanites to the God of Israel. And if you read the book of Ruth, you will find that Rahab was an ancestor of King David. And if you read the first chapter of the Gospel of Matthew, you will find that Rahab was an ancestor of our Lord Jesus Christ himself. Canaanite prostitute. By faith, she got out of the destruction that was coming on Jericho. She told the Hebrew spies that she had heard about how 40 years earlier the Red Sea had parted. She heard about how more recently the Jordan River had parted. She heard about how Israel had defeated the kings of the Amorites, Sin and Og. And she knew that the Lord was with them. She knew that their God was the God above all gods. And though all her life she had known and worshipped a different God, she changed gods. And today you will find 
a Canaanite prostitute in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. This woman came to Jesus. This woman belonged to Jesus. She had nothing going for her. Sinner. She came from the wrong people. She followed the wrong religion. She practiced the wrong occupation. But she found mercy from the Lord. You know, we're all in the same shape she was in. We're all guilty. We're all sinful. Come from the wrong people. There's nothing we can do. Not the labors of my hands can fulfill thy law's demands. Could my zeal no respite know? Could my tears forever flow? There's nothing I can do. But there is something we can do. What do you do when you can't do anything? You know that old hymn we're about to sing, it says, Nothing in my hands I bring. I got nothing I can do. It says simply, to thy cross I cling. Naked come to thee for dress, helpless look to thee for grace, foul I to thy fountain fly, wash me, Savior, or I die. You think about it. Nothing in my hands I bring. Simply to thy cross I cling. That is what you do when you can't do anything. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.